0: Is following in my father's footsteps really what you want? Alexandra asked. Miss Shirtliff was silent for a moment, studying her. You have your entire life ahead of you, Alexandra, she said at last. You'll make your own mistakes, I'm sure, but you don't have to make your father's mistakes. What I want is for you to reach your potential and not spend your life rebelling against or trying to live up to your name.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Remedial Magic Podcast. My name's Brady, and as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, my brother Baylor, and our good friend Delbert. And guys, we are only three chapters from the end of this book. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> it's it's been a long, long time coming at this point, and uh, I'm starting to get even more excited to wrap up season one because I think some of our plans going forward are are going to really revamp the podcast into a more interesting experience what do you mean
0: it's already really really interesting
1: Oh, especially the
0: except for the last two chapters the ten before that were super interesting
1: look I agree it's interesting enough that I listen to the full episode that releases every week Uh, but for book two I think we've finally come to a kind of an official idea on how we're going to approach that. And I do want to outline that. Uh, might as well outline it in this episode, and then we'll do it again in the final episode of the season. But before we do that, uh, I just wanted to welcome everybody back and uh, kind of just issue a a quick thank you, I guess, to the Discord especially, but anybody who's been listening regularly. Our numbers are trending upwards again which is interesting kind of our episode listen counts are going up which is cool and also it's always kind of a shock to see that I was looking at our our numbers on anchor and our average episode listen count is probably 70 or 80 now up from 50 and 60 so you know something good is happening
2: out there There's been a massive push for the Rami No Magic podcast. I don't know.
0: It feels good to waste other people's hours, too, rather than just sitting at home wasting my own.
2: It does. I mean, surely these people have just got to be falling into our trap by mistake, (laughs) right? (laughs) I'm wondering a couple things. First,
1: obviously most of our traffic, I think, comes from people on the Discord. But secondly, I feel like people joining the Discord are joining at a higher rate than before our podcast really got rolling. And so I think it's a nice kind of symbiotic relationship that we share with the Discord.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I still try to put a post out at least every two weeks on, like, Harry Potter and sometimes Fantastic Beasts just to, you know, provide a little bit of insight on what we do to those communities as well. So if we pull anyone from there, that's pretty awesome.
1: It's... uh. It's been a pretty fun experience, and I'm excited to keep it going. Uh, I will say that it looks like we have another email this week, so I think before we get into anything related to the future of this podcast or main discussion, Delbert, it'd be probably good for us to address that. It's my understanding that this email came from a person who maybe isn't quite caught up on where the podcast currently sits today, so it's kind of... A nice chance for us to reflect a little bit.
0: Yeah, just just a little bit old, and this comes in from our one of our favorite listeners, I'd say, Anne quickly Drew, also known as Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Andrew, for that one. Um, <laughs> and he wanted to actually ask from Baylor's perspective, being the first time reader, and like you said, this came in a little <laughs> a couple weeks too late. But what did what would you think about a plot from the house elves where they made the clockwork golems attack alex so that they became illegal and could go back to cleaning
2: you know i mean that's that seems reasonable uh i don't think a house elf would kill a wizard would want to kill a wizard um they seem to be too loyal uh from the harry potter series and this series i guess
1: that's what you think
2: yeah that's that's what we think you know they're silently plotting the revenge of the mass uh, murder of every wizard known to man. But um, at least on the knowledge that we have right now, I would say that I could see them, you know, uh, hatching a plan to disable the Clockwork Golems, but I don't see them doing it where they uh, would attempt to kill somebody in the process.
0: So what you're telling me is you don't believe that somewhere out there there's a council of evil house elves that just kind of kill children?
2: You know that, that no, I don't. No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, <laughs> if if you do see a sighting though of of a angry house elf attempting to murder a child, you might want to contact your local authorities or us. Yeah, if yeah. you see a house elf, contact me yeah. immediately. Send us yeah. an email, <laughs> me specifically. We're the House Elf Busters. <laughs> yeah,
1: send an email to Brady at RemedialMagicPodcast
2: dot com. <laughs>
0: I don't think that's a uh, web address, but sure,
1: oh, it's not. But house elves aren't real, so you know it all. No. It all tracks.
2: No, I, I think uh, Anne quickly drew uh, brought up a, a solid point that we did not uh, mention. I, I could definitely see the house elves, especially. I mean, we we are introduced to M, who's kind of taken more of the, you know, not not so much the submissive role. It seems like when it comes to the students. So if there's a a, a group of house elves that have that behavior. I definitely could see them attempting to sabotage the clockwork knowledge.
0: I do love the idea of Brandon Poe being like, Oh, Alex is so awesome. We love Alex and then going behind her back and telling the clockworks to murder her. Yeah,
1: plotting to kill yeah. her. It's I will say, if the House Elves were to rebel against wizards, it's not as though they wouldn't have like motive to do so. Hogwarts oh, Legacy yeah. Two, electric boogaloo. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Um Thanks for that email, Andrew. Uh, really, actually, it's a pretty thoughtful email. All things considered, I hadn't even, for at once, thought that maybe the house elves might be behind this plot. And of course, we know that they're not now. But uh, as a first-time reader, I think uh, the way you're thinking about things is pretty unique. So
0: this is a pretty hefty tangent here, but one. This almost makes me think of one of the movies from the greatest slapper in Hollywood, Will Smith, in iRobot, where uh, he doesn't trust the robot's code, but everyone else doesn't even have a thought process that robots could do bad. We're the unsuspecting public in that case. The house elves are going to turn on their code and kill us all.
2: I mean, from what like we know, like house elf magic is a lot more sophisticated than wizard magic. Like, yeah. They're very powerful. They just choose not to act on it. So they definitely, if they wanted to stage a rebellion, I would say it'd probably be be one of the more successful ones in the wizarding world.
1: It'd be a problem. Potentially. The wizards did stave off three rebellions from the goblins. Yep. And I think in the new game we're going to find out how one of those rebellions was quashed. But regardless of that, uh, one thing I wanted to point out is that you just very much gave away that we're pre-recording this podcast by two or three weeks what do you mean by the time this comes out the will smith thing is going to be a month old it is a month old it'll oh okay (laughs) 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 it'll probably be forgotten about by by then so uh
0: listen it's fine will smith is going to be known as the biggest slapper ever so it's great
1: well he's got the biggest oscars moment until Kanye has to one-up him again or something. True. Like. So, True. Anyways, we're not a Will Smith podcast, but... Thank God. What were you going to say, Baylor?
2: I was going to say, we'll we see that Goblin Rebellion squashed unless you choose to help them. It's very tempting. Yeah. I'm telling you.
1: Do if you get you, to choose to help the goblins? Well,
2: it, it would appear
1: that the you the can pick your path. The evidence is that you get to turn to the dark side if you choose to. Now, that might just be... Good marketing on the part of the Hogwarts legacy team, but we keep coming back to this trailer, but in the trailer you did get to cast a Cadabra, and there's some other magic that you're doing that is pretty heinous, like levitating a goblin up in the air and then repeatedly slamming him into the ground (laughs) with immense force, which is, I wouldn't call that anything but dark magic.
0: Not approved,
1: not approved, especially not not by governor general Huckstein and the confederation that bastard. But what got us on this tangent was that nice email from Andrew. And I wanted to uh, just remind everybody that you can email us or reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, You can find those two things at the underscore RM podcast. And our email address is remedial magic podcast at gmail.com. You don't even have to do hard work to get there. Just go to the description of our podcast and use our link tree. Two clicks will take you to any of the ways to contact us that you want.
2: Or one click if you just click the link to the social media in the description. There you go. You can also
1: go look at my
0: awesome casting for Mr. Thiel at that link
2: tree. It's true. This is true. That is true.
1: Old Alan. Our casting... (laughs) (laughs) A little spoiler. Our casting for this episode is probably going to be equally uninspired considering... The person I think that we're casting. We, we ran out
0: of people. Like, we yeah.
1: we don't even know anything about them again. Yep. So that is one of the changes that's going to come to season two of this podcast is we're only going to have the casting segment when it's relevant. Uh, that being said, I've been reading ahead a little bit and it seems like it will be relevant for... At least the first few episodes.
0: I haven't read that far, but uh, I can think of at least four people that are very likely going to need to be casted in the first third of that book.
1: Sure. And so speaking of the new season, when it comes out, uh, which will be, I don't know, we've got... It'll probably be six weeks after this episode releases, but when this new season comes out, the plan is for us to cover arcs like for example the first thing we're going to do that we're going to cover is the first three chapters of book two all at once because that's an entire arc of Alex before she returns to Charmbridge for book two so that's what we're going to do and then in between episodes where we cover story arcs and stuff that's actually from the book we're gonna throw in some alternate types of episodes and the first alternate type of episode that we're going to throw in is going to be a deep dive into Alex's character and some of her motivations and kind of why she is the way she is. So we're excited for that, but we've got some other stuff to take care of first, uh, including, and I think I can go ahead and just release this now in our final episode for this season. We will be interviewing Sam Gabriel, uh, the, author, the narrator of the audiobook Uh, We'll be doing a a nice twenty five minute or thirty minute interview with him, among a few other ways to wrap up the season. So there's a lot to look forward to. Moving forward with this podcast, in fact, there's enough moving forward with this podcast that I would say, stick around. Maybe share it with your friends. Maybe give us a review on iTunes or Spotify.
0: You know, anything like that. Nice sell.
2: I would say, like, go in your phone and look at your contacts list. And I would try, I think the max you can send on on like a text message is 99 people. I would say send the link to 99 of your closest friends and family.
0: You know, and if they fire back, just say, oops, wrong person. Yeah,
2: yeah. Oops, wrong person, but you should check it out. Yeah. Because it's awesome. You should
0: create a Facebook group called Purgatory, invite all of your friends to it, and just repeatedly post this link and re add them. Indeed. (laughs) Don't don't let them leave. (laughs) If
1: people. Look, if people can call your phone once a day for going on eight and a half months now telling you uh, that the that the IRS is going to come arrest you and you need to report to the governor general of New York City or whatever, uh, you can send a message about the Remedial Magic podcast once. Right. Yeah.
0: That being said, I did find out that my car's extended warranty is about to expire, so I'm a little worried about that. Yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. Um, Boy, we're really getting off the rails already. (laughs) Uh, This week, we're talking about Chapter 27. It's called Broken Circle, and it promises to give us some more answers about some pretty serious questions that we've been asking uh, during this book, but uh, I wanted to remind everybody that last week, we talked about Chapter 26. That was called Murder in the Woods, where, in fact... We saw Ben Journey attempt to murder Alex in the woods, and instead, he just murdered himself. Poor guy. The ultimate uh...
0: Uno reverse card? Yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But... I
1: would say, like, a moment of silence for Ben Journey because he was one of my favorite characters in this book, but I think it probably looks bad on the podcast to give a moment of silence to a would-be child murderer.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's probably the same thing as a lot of, you know, historical figures that get moments of silence and then some of their, like, shadier stuff is hidden away from public eye.
1: So we need to start a misinformation
2: campaign? Yes. About Ben Journey? Yes. Okay. Just don't put a statue of him up at Charmbridge or something, you know. We'll try not to. Yeah.
0: That'll be a problem in 60 years. Yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. (laughs) What kind of...
1: We're getting off track again, but I just wanted to ask uh what kind of interaction would it be like if somebody like Ben Journey just came back as a ghost and haunted the person they were trying to murder the whole time?
2: Like I, I have always wondered that about Hogwarts or not a Hogwarts but just wizard ghosts. I've always wondered why that doesn't happen more often.
1: We saw Moaning Myrtle haunt somebody until they uh like went crazy and Myrtle yeah. had to be confined to a bathroom. So surely that could happen Baron too. The
0: Bloody Baron killed Nick, right, Sir Nicholas? Nearly headless. No, Nick?
1: the Bloody Baron killed the Gray Lady. That's right. And then became a ghost so he could chase after her, right, for okay. all of eternity. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, so um, I, I guess we have some sort of present. Yeah, there, aren't
1: there is. <laughs> there is a bit of a standard set. Um, that would be messed up. Yeah, it yeah. would.
2: <laughs> Alex. <laughs> anyways. Alex is just laying in her dorm and. Uh, head pokes through a wood door and spin journey surprise starshine
0: that's another terrifying thought
2: surprise okay
1: that makes Ben journey even worse
2: yeah looking at it
1: that way
0: yeah i mean are you trying to mix ben
1: journey <laughs> oh no the sorry vampire, <laughs> no. <or?
2: laughs> imagine she's doing homework oh nothing else okay. is going on right. yeah yeah my bad
1: stay out of the dorms Ben journey stay out
0: <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't be hard now. so <laughs> he's dead uh <laughs>
1: Our three-sentence summary for Chapter 27, The Broken Circle, I think I'll start. Baylor, you go second. Delbert, you finish it off. And so, Alex wakes up in the infirmary, only to be recruited into wizard military school.
2: Alex passes out and reawakens to her friends standing over her, explaining, exclaiming, are you a dark wizard, Alex?
0: Dean Grimm doesn't appreciate friendship and makes them all leave only to admit that she lied when she beat Alex for calling her a liar.
1: All right. There we go. Another three sentence summary that covers none of the important stuff in the true, chapter. True, <laughs> So
0: Well <laughs> Listen, Dean Grimm's a bad person, okay?
1: Yeah. She redeemed herself a little bit in this chapter. Tiny,
0: tiny bit.
1: A tiny bit. I should say, when I was t- talking about Alex being recruited into Wizard Military School, what I meant was Mrs. Shirtliff. What I meant was Miss Shirtliff shows up and suggests to Alex uh, that she thinks that she would be a fine junior regimental officer. And we find out that Shirtliff is a like a reserve.
0: She's like the National Guard. She's like
1: the National Guard for the Confederation, kind yeah. of, and. I thought this conversation was especially interesting because Alex is kind of asking Shirtliff if she thinks that uh, Alex should be following the path of her father here. And when I first read that, I didn't really understand what Alex meant because in my mind, Shirtliff is saying, Join the, the junior version of the Confederations Officer Corps, and that's not what her father would be doing, but that's what he did initially. Right. right, and so that's what he was what originally meant. like,
0: part of the government or something, yeah. right? Before he yeah. twisted away.
1: And That part, I thought was interesting because, I think, I think Alex is a little bit more scared now than she was before of becoming like her father.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, we see that with both this interaction, I think, and then the interaction with her friends later.
0: Yeah, and but. in this interaction as well, I thought the more interesting part was that Shirtlift knows. And so does Dean Price.
2: About who Alex's father yep, is.
0: They've yeah. known the whole time.
1: They knew, and Shirtliff is very clear that she supports Dean Grimm and the actions she took this year in terms of hiding that from Alex.
0: Sort of, right? She kind of says that she thinks she would have handled it a different way, but at the same time she supports Dean Grimm's decisions. Is what I thought I saw in there.
1: That is uh, that is kind of what Shirtliff says, but she does just state right away that she supports Dean Grimm completely. And so I think what Shirtliff is doing here is she's on a peacekeeping mission for Alex before Dean Grimm shows up later on in the chapter in the infirmary because she even reminds Alex that Alex owes her life to Dean Grimm at this point. Which, is that true? Kind of. Kind of. We come to find out later that Dean Grimm was acting more behind the scenes than we thought she was. Yeah. Kind of putting up protective spells around Alex and stuff like that. So maybe right. in that regard.
0: Because maybe she would have died to some of the other stuff had those protections not been there. But as far as the actual Ben Journey attempt, I don't think that's what she owes her life for.
2: Yeah. I still don't really... Like, I know she did put up those spells and whatever, but in every, almost every instance... It, it's like Alex is getting herself out of the trouble.
0: I think specifically the thing I think of is the potion exploding. Because she was right in the face of that potion. So I think it would make sense that something Dean Grimm cast on her is what kept her from, you know, dying in that particular point.
2: That, that, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I didn't will even say think about the potion. Alex does get some...
1: kind of... I guess I don't know what word I'm trying to find, but... Alex is justified here in some of the things she's been thinking about how Dean Graham handled the situation, especially Shirtlift goes on to say that, you know, you were given an unfair advantage when you got here because Dean Graham didn't want you to seem extraordinary. And Alex knew that and we knew that, but it's nice to hear somebody else, an adult, actually acknowledge that.
2: Yeah, that, I mean, because we've just been speculating that. You know, Dean Grimm didn't just forget to hand her the thing, you know, the study guide from the very beginning. We've been talking about that for a long time. So it is nice to have that confirmation.
0: Yeah, it's nice that there's a reason, right? Because up till now, we were like, well, David got to study even though he was a muggle born. So what's different about Alex? Why did the Dean go take Alex to ice cream and nobody else ever in the history of her being Dean? So, I mean, it's nice that there are certain reasons for this, but it's still, you know isn't a great way to treat someone I don't think.
2: So here's here's a question for you. Her goal by not giving her the study guide was so she would essentially start behind everyone else, right? And not seem extraordinary, but wouldn't wouldn't a the dean who's been known to not talk to students, not hang out with students, whatever, go to ice cream with students when Dean Graham starts doing that? Alex is already established as some special person to begin with.
1: I agree, actually. Yeah. It's a flawed plan, and Shirtliff agrees with that, too. She says it wasn't the best plan in hindsight, and really, it's kind of a feeble attempt at keeping Alex out of the spotlight. If she was so concerned about Alex becoming powerful so quickly that she did that to her, uh, that basically confirms that Alex is going to be in the spotlight Regardless, right. right? If also, this makes me think that magical power, at least in this setting, is genetic, right? Because Dean Grimm didn't know anything about Alex's magical prowess, really.
0: Did she, though? Like, she clearly knew at some point that that was the daughter of Abraham Thorne. And very shortly beforehand, she did manage at age 11 without any training to basically get away from red caps and a kappa.
1: She did. So I guess Dean Grimm could have made that. She could have seen decision that in was that moment
0: and been like, "Oh, she might be pretty talented."
2: Or she could have had other people reporting to her, yeah. essentially. Yeah. That that is an interesting question though, like how magic talent is passed from family member to family member because like in the in the original series, like Neville is put in Gryffindor right away, but it's like not very brave initially not really very gifted with his wand you know really struggles and then finally come book seven he finally is kind of fulfilling the role that he was destined to be you know he like as a really brave fighter really good uh wizard whatever so it it's almost as if um it is past her you know from from uh, mother, father to her, yeah. son or daughter. And that's something
0: that I want to see also, not to pull away from Alex Quick again, but in the new Fantastic Beasts movie, we seem to see a little bit of Aberforth. Is he also powerful? Probably not to the extent of Albus, but at least in the original series, we cast, see him cast one hell of a Patronus charm.
1: Yeah, I think Aberforth has some pretty serious magical power.
0: Yeah, I think so
2: too. I just love his goats.
1: He has the last <laughs> name Dumbledore, so I think yeah, that that's plays what into it
2: big time. Even like Ariana if she was an obscurial, like that would show immense power too. Right. You know, and she obviously was a Dumbledore, but Yeah.
0: So, I don't I don't think that's really an unfounded thought as far as it being genetical, but I do think that she also had a couple instances where she did show off magical prowess. Sure. So, to I think she could go off of both.
1: Combo of both. Yeah. I agree. I Regardless, I think it's nice here that Shirtlift is kind of confirming what I think the reader is thinking all the way through that that is just a very feeble plan that's not going to help you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish moving forward.
0: It's also a good play by Inverarity here, I think, to kind of hype up Shirtlift a little bit because certainly until now, Journey was the best teacher or faculty in the school. And Shirtlift was, like, second. So now that Journey is dead, it's Shirtlift, And you really get, like, a personal connection moment with her there.
1: I do think this establishes that Shirtlift is going to be more personally invested in Alex moving forward. Because she's the first person to show up here.
2: Yeah, I thought that, you know, way at the beginning of the book. Because Shirtlift kind of was the one who gave her a chance when, they, right. when she did her initial spawn. So, yeah, I agree with you guys here. Um, another thing... Not to bounce back to it, but Dean Grimm's idea of protecting Alex. Wouldn't uh, giving her that study material and getting her in the appropriate classes, wouldn't that give her more tools to protect herself if it came down to that?
1: Yes, but I don't think the murder plot was known, probably, when that decision was made. I
0: also don't think it's enough, right? Like... She's still a 6th grader. She's still 12. If there really is a murder plot, knowing how to cast Alohomora or not is not going to be the difference in life or death. So, like, sure, she might have more of a fighting chance, but I still think that's essentially no chance against an established wizard.
2: Even though she wrecked Theel.
1: That's true. (laughs) Theel is not
2: an established wizard. (laughs) Theel is incompetent as all
1: get out. And we've talked about that. I think uh, a lot. Dean
0: Grimm's cat can take Theel, to be honest.
1: I will say that as Alex's friends make their way into the chapter, this is so reminiscent of the scene where Harry wakes up in the hospital wing. It is insanely how similar similarly written this is. In fact, to the point of I don't know, I can't remember if it's Shirtliff or Grimm later on, talking about how the only people that really know the truth are Alex, Grimm, and Anna. But that hasn't stopped the rumors. Yeah and everybody knows anyways. Because that's like, what
0: Dumbledore says, at least in the movies, like the only people who know what happened down there are you, Quarrel, and myself. So naturally everybody knows. It's very,
1: <laughs> very similar to that. And some of the rumors are Pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. yeah. That Alex has went to do battle with journey accompanied by an army of crows that Dean Grimm turned into a dragon and that Abraham Thorne himself had appeared. And so, you know, it, I guess in a magical setting, these types of rumors would fly around more readily because the fantastical can happen more often.
0: Also, it's not mentioned in this chapter, and I can't think if it's even mentioned after this, but when all these rumors are flying around, it's got to be an awkward feeling to be Larry Albo around the school like, oh, God, what if all this is true? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, uh,
2: he picked on the wrong girl.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So her friends all show up, of course, naturally. They're kind of uncannily loyal to Alex, and Dean Grimm touches on that later on in the chapter. But I just wanted to ask you guys if any part of this conversation with her friends stood out to you.
2: I thought it was weird that Darla and Angelique were there. I agree. Because they haven't been there, you know. Like like when, when it first was mentioned that Alex might be a dark a dark wizard's daughter, they were like, oh, we're going to stay away from you, you know. we They kind of treat her like crap, you know. But then when it's confirmed, or I guess through the rumor mill, confirmed that she is in fact Abraham Thorne's daughter, they like are there in the hospital wing or infirmary or whatever it's called it it was odd i guess
0: i do really enjoy the interaction between alex darla and angelique and it almost feels like angelique takes a step closer to being a friend with alex here where um alex is like i guess that makes me bad and you're scared of me now or something like that and darla or angelique points at darla and is like oh she was already scared of
1: you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I enjoyed that i think yeah, a lot like a of the students are scene. already scared of her and the thing there's two things that stuck out to me the first one is That Alex is saying, like saying, I'm not dark. I'm not going to be dark. I don't want people to be afraid of me. And forbearance just responds with, I think you like to be feared. Yeah, I liked that too. That's a very straight shooter thing. And I don't know what you guys think, but I think there's truth to that. No, she's for
0: sure right. Like It's the reason she accepts every dare or challenge or anything anyone throws her way.
1: Alex likes to hold that power.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think she would be, you know, so willing to be in trouble and, and flout authority, you know, and without having, or without liking that, that spotlight. I agree. The second thing that
1: stuck out to me in that conversation is Anna just states to Alex, like you knew he was going to kill you and you went anyways. Right. So on one hand we have this Alex who, is feared by a lot of kids in the school who people now even more than ever are going to be thinking is probably a potential dark wizard. And on the other hand, you have again, a Testament to her bravery, right? To how brave she is as a person where we're reminded that she knew that she was walking into the face of death and she didn't care. And that's like a, a massive parallel to Harry, to yeah. Harry Potter, right? Cause Harry did that multiple times. Even at the end of the first book, he didn't know he was walking towards death, but death was waiting and he went anyways. And so, I think, above all else, this conversation serves as a reminder to the reader that Alex is an idiot and does a bunch of stupid things, but at the same time, she's like the most intensely brave person that you can read about in this whole story.
0: Right, and something I wanted to bring up, and I was going to bring it up in the deep dive episode on Alex, but I think it's also applicable here. I think Inverarty did this intentionally, and I'm not saying that in Hogwarts students have to be one or the other, they can't, like, intertwine or anything, but she really tears down the house system from Harry Potter, because she's been cunning the whole book, so she's been a Slytherin, she started at a disadvantage, but just sat in a library reading, so she's Ravenclaw, but here at the end, she's just going to her death to protect her friend, and if that's not Gryffindor and Hufflepuff, then... I don't know what to tell you. So I think it was intentional to show all these different characteristics. But now that we're actually here, I just wanted to see what your guys' take on that was.
2: I think it's a great point. Yeah, I I agree. I actually didn't even think about that. But now that you've said that, I can only imagine the Sorting Hats discussion with Alex.
0: Yeah. I mean, it would have been an interesting one for sure.
2: I'm at a loss for words. Just tell me which table
1: you want to sit at. (laughs) I think she would have ended up in Slytherin, most likely. I still think Slytherin. Uh, But... You're right. I This is – there's plenty of examples in this, and there, I'm sure there was in Harry Potter too, but in this, there's plenty of examples to show how if Alex was in that sorting system, she can fit in any one of them, right? Yeah. There's times when she's very intensely a Ravenclaw. There's times where her only concern is her friends, and that would stick her in Hufflepuff, and then here – You've got an argument for Slytherin and Gryffindor in one conversation.
0: And I also feel like in the original series, like, just really briefly looking at the trio, Hermione, Ron, and Harry, they all kind of miss one house. Like, I don't think Hermione has a lot of Slytherin traits, I don't think Ron has a lot of Ravenclaw traits, and I don't think Harry has a lot of Ravenclaw traits either. Like, sure, they're smart, but they rely on Hermione, but Hermione's also less likely to go, like, break rules to do stuff.
1: Sure, I... I don't know. I really like what you're saying here about Inverarty kind of breaking that model. And we don't have that model in Charmbridge anyways, but I think we can examine it through that lens because the, the sorting system at Hogwarts has been so highly analyzed already.
0: Yeah, and I think that's something we could definitely talk more about in the deep dive, but I wanted to bring it up since we were talking about it here anyways.
1: For sure. Uh, after the friends are there, Dean Grimm shows up and this is really the meat of the chapter. I know we've talked for a long time about these other things, but Dean Grimm shows up and we get, (laughs) I wouldn't say it's an apology, but an admission of wrongdoing by Dean Grimm, which is nice to read. Uh, Essentially what happens is Alex says, you know, you punished me for calling you a liar, and then it turns out you were a liar, and Dean Grimm says, yeah, that probably wasn't the best idea.
0: Yeah. Still horrible. At least she acknowledges it wasn't the way to do it. That was,
1: what was that, essentially Dean Grimm's, like, last resort to try to get Alex to stop pursuing this?
2: Yeah, I I just, I don't know. It, it, It was a weird scene to begin with, because we kind of, you know, you saw Dean Grimm lose control for the first time, kind of, I guess, and... I don't know. It, what was it? What did it deal with the fact that Alex was unrelenting with the Thorn Circle business or was it because Alex was just a little shit?
1: Both. I. It's definitely both. And in fact, another thing that factors into that behavior on Dean Grimm's part is that she admittedly says here that she lost a lot of autonomy with her job, like a lot of her ability to handle the situation the way she wanted to. And I'm sure that because of that, she needed to excise that control in other situations, and that interaction with Alex in the office was a situation she could still uh, manage on her own terms. And She managed it incorrectly, but uh, it still applied in that moment. And part of this conversation also is Alex asking Dean Grimm if she knew that Journey was trying to kill her, and Dean Grimm saying, no, I wouldn't have left you in in close quarters with him, if I knew that, that was that's what was going on, which I guess just refutes the conversation we had last episode yeah,
0: about that. Yeah, kind of counters that one a little bit.
1: A, a little bit, because Dean Grimm also tells Alex that the Confederation had a better idea of what was going on and y- was essentially using Alex to try to get closer to the Thorn Circle. Uh, so our, we were half right and half wrong, but as far as Dean Grimm's role in it, I believe her when she says she didn't know for sure who was trying to kill Alex.
0: Yeah, she definitely knew something was afoot, even though she denied it the whole time. She just didn't know who was causing it.
2: Yeah, especially, you know, with Theo coming in and kind of the the Confederation taking over, you know, on at the school. Uh, they definitely knew something was up, but um, yeah, th- there would be no reason to lie at this point if she thought Journey was trying to, to kill Alex beforehand.
0: I am curious, though. Since she didn't suspect Journey, but she did suspect someone, who else was she suspecting?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question, Dean Price. Ooh. I don't know. It's a great question. Yeah. Surely she was she was suspecting another adult. She probably had a adult. couple people, right? Like, yeah.
0: She had to have it narrowed down, but maybe not know exactly
1: who it was. Uh, something I think is interesting here is Dean Grim goes on to say that the cat was trying to save Alex in the attic because Alex starts listing everything that happened to her this year and Dean Grimm the first thing she says is that the cat was trying to save you is that true do you guys think we're seeing it through Alex's perspective and as a panicked rat trapped with a cat near you that's your first conclusion but uh this could very well be true that the cat was trying to save them.
0: Right? I mean, is this cat the same intelligence as Crookshanks? Cuz if so, absolutely. Yeah. Like I would agree with that.
2: We also like that that scene we really saw like we the only thing we saw was like the the cat um you know trying to catch them. Right. So we don't have any idea like what would the cat be saving them from. You know, in that in that scene. That like, is true. We don't like, know. What
0: else was yeah. the threat? Like the door had oh, locked true. behind her. But what else was occurring that we didn't notice because the cat was the main focus?
1: Yeah, I guess, huh? That's really interesting because the cat was the main problem, right? Yeah. There wasn't somebody else in the room trying to step on them or something. Yeah. Or maybe, I guess, if the cat was trying to save them, surely it was there on Dean Grimm's orders, right? Maybe mm-hmm.
0: Journey thought the cat would kill them.
1: Maybe, yeah, but didn't true.
0: realize it was smarter than gave it credit for
1: maybe journey thought that once they turned into rats they would just get lost up in the attic and die maybe because they couldn't yeah. feed themselves and the, the cat was tailing them the whole time for that reason yeah i don't know I, regardless if the cat was in fact trying to save them we can take one off of the list of attempted murders of alex but regardless of all of that alex has a pretty major concern that is extremely justified in my opinion and that concern is that, uh, what about the rest of the Thorn Circle? <laughs> yeah. Ben Journey was only one person. Are they also going to try to kill her now? Did you guys buy Dean Grimm's explanation after this, that she said that they were very loyal to her father, so they probably won't try to kill her? Sort of.
2: Yeah, I guess, like, that. that's one thing that's confused me with the ending here, um, I don't totally understand like what Journey's end game was, with killing uh, Alex, like because if he kills Alex, then he's wanted by both the Confederation and the Thorn Circle, like Dean Grimm said, last chapter, and then also that, that he's not protected anymore. He could be turned in by someone else, you know, as being a part of the Thorn Circle, and so I that doesn't make any sense to me. But also like I just don't like i i agree with her like you think that they would want to protect her because that's who has the secret you know
0: i think from what we know from this chapter that ben was the one who made the mistake yeah i mean she was made the secret keeper sure she can divulge the secret sure she doesn't know who anyone is cuz she was an infant right so ben doing what he did was like Really just massive cowardice because all he had to do was just not tell her who he was. And it was the same result.
1: It's true. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot since our last discussion because we did talk about this same thing last episode. I don't know. We might have talked about too much last episode, to be honest. But essentially the situation is that the thorn circle was not Alex's bracelet, as Ben thought. Instead, it was the actual literal thorn circle. Like, right. The circle is made of people, and if one of them tries to betray the Thorn Circle, that breaks the protective enchantments around Alex and kills that person. So, I have a, I I guess a big question about Alex as Secret Keeper. You're right, she can't tell anybody who's in the Thorn Circle. You know what I mean? She she can't divulge any secrets about the Thorn Circle, nothing, because she doesn't have that knowledge. But that doesn't stop the people in the Thorn Circle from knowing about the Thorn Circle. And, again, as far as I know, the Fidelius Charm doesn't erase everybody's memory of a thing. It just prevents them from being able to share the secret. Right. And so, if she is the secret keeper and Ben does kill her, what's to prevent people from talking then? Other people who are disgruntled with Abraham Thorn or other people who get caught by the Confederation and then and then spill the beans because they don't have a choice or whatever.
0: Yeah, and the other thing, too, is we don't know enough about Abraham Thorne to really know the answer of this question. If he's mm-hmm. If he's a clone of Voldemort, it's pretty likely that no one else is going to break ranks and do something because he would hunt them down and kill them. Like, you're not going to see Lucius Malfoy go do something on his own accord. But, if he has like a lot of respectable and smart individuals under his command and he's not as like you know bloodthirsty I guess as Voldemort, maybe one would act against him,
2: yeah, that's like the only thing that makes sense to me is that Ben was gonna kill Alex and then use the secrets he knew to like get immunity from the um like turn the and confederation rat on everyone yeah. else yeah. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. But then, then again, they know that she, that he was going to be the killer at the end there. Yeah. So it, it, at the end, it's just at like... At
0: the end of the day, he killed a kid, so he's wanted by the Confederacy. Yeah. And he killed Thorne's kid, so he's going to be wanted by that side too. So his plan was just really bad. It was yeah. just bad overall. Yeah.
1: I agree. I just... This Fidelius Charm thing confuses me. Because I think based on canon from the actual series, like, just because Peter Pettigrew was the secret keeper didn't stop Sirius Black from knowing where they lived. And Well, he was
0: like a part of the circle, right?
1: Did Did Peter have to tell Sirius again so Sirius could then divulge or like have access to the information once it was covered up? If that's the case, then I think this makes perfect sense. Yeah. But if that's if Sirius already knew and then because he wasn't the secret keeper, he just couldn't share that information, then I just it feels like a a Fidelius Charm done for show more than anything else.
2: I mean, yeah. we kind of see that in Harry Potter at the end because when they apparate, you know, in a grim old place and and Harry slips on the step and then reveals himself, then all the Death Eaters know that the grim old place play, you know exists and they can get into it. Right. So that kind of breaks the Fidelius Charm there.
1: I don't know. The Fidelius Charm is one of the most confusing, complicated pieces of magic, I think, in Who this universe. Who
0: casts it in the original trilogy? Is it Dumbledore? For the order? For the Potters.
1: Well, I, I it's created and then Peter is the secret keeper. I would but imagine Dumbledore it? was the architect.
0: Because it seems like it's a very advanced piece oh, of magic it must from be. what's yeah. set yeah. here. So how many people can even cast this spell? Is it literally a handful in the world?
2: Right. I
1: I don't know. I Abraham Thorne on top of this, I think he must have very loyal followers if he didn't set up a second safeguard past one person breaking the Thorn Circle anyways, right? right? Because he must have expected nobody to break the Thorn Circle if it was only going to punish the first person who did it because now Alex is open season.
0: Well, I wonder if it wasn't even just targeting the members of the Circle either. I wonder if someone outside the Circle had tried to kill her. If it would have stopped that as well. Oh,
1: I bet that's the case. Yeah. And I bet in that case the thorn circle doesn't get broken either. like the because way it's yeah. not a physical part of it yeah. doing the betraying.
0: The way I'm visualizing it is essentially the circle would be like a part of each person in the circle's magic. Just like being put on hold as a savior for Alex. And then if someone tries to attack, basically all of these stored magics from various wizards basically reflect or like save the life. Sure. That's how I'm reading it. I could be wrong.
1: Well, we don't really know. <laughs> I think it's all possible. Yeah. You know? Here's a, a
2: theory for you guys. Yeah. And I, I'm i just throwing this out there. Just I'm all about because it. Because whatever. Yeah. Maybe Ben Journey was lying that he was a part of the Thorn Circle. <laughs> and his motive was just because he was, you know, wanting to kill the son of Abraham, or the son, the daughter of Abraham Thorne.
1: <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Something I had never once considered—not a single time. <laughs> so, Evil so, elves
1: and good
0: guy Ben Journey.
2: So in that in that case, the circle. Although I guess
0: I shouldn't say good guy. He's still killing a kid. In that instance,
1: the circle would be intact. Yeah, we right. think right. Or would it? Would it be broken? I don't think so. Yeah, if I it's an outsider. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know. If it's you tough. know how the Fidelius charm works, right in. Yeah. <laughs>
2: JKR,
1: right in.
0: Ooh. If I don't you think she knows either. Want to
1: send us a lengthy email with citations about the Fidelius charm? We will re- read that whole thing.
0: That's true. We have for had sure. well-cited emails exactly. already, so.
1: I will say that regardless of how the Fidelius charm works, uh what the thorn circle represents for Alex in the future, that is a cool piece of magic. I got to tell you. It's what neat. a safeguard, right? It's neat. That's a way better system of safeguarding your, like, inner circle than just being a fear-mongering jerk like Voldemort.
0: Yeah, I mean, just the fact that, like, Dean Grimm comes out and says, you can't find this in books because it's not in books. Yeah. Like, this is crafted. That would be such an excellent setting for, like, a DD and d campaign where magic hasn't
1: been invented yet. That is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That being said... Uh, I think the next little bit of this conversation and it's the chapter's almost over at this point, but is equally important because Dean Grimm just tells Alex that she's more like her father than Alex realizes. And Alex doesn't like that. But Dean Grimm tells her to be quiet and then explains this. And I think this is the best the best explanation of why Alex needs to pay attention to who she's becoming that Dean Grimm has given this entire book. Uh, Baylor, you've been arguing for weeks now that Dean Grimm should have just talked to Alex at the beginning. She should have just said this at the beginning where she talks about how Alex is powerful, but that doesn't matter. What matters is that she's so ambitious and so smart that her ideas can be actually dangerous, and that's the same thing with her father. And she even talks about how her father has this inner circle of people that are so loyal to him That he could use them for whatever means he wanted to. And Alex, even though she's not trying to, has already built something like that in less than a year in the magical world. And in my opinion, if Dean Grimm tells Alex this earlier on in the story, Alex cautions herself a little bit because it involves her friends, right? Alex knows that when it comes to her friends, she needs to be more careful and this is the conversation that could have helped with that, I think.
2: Yeah, I could I could see this fitting in nicely when Alex just straight up asked her is my father Abraham Thorne or whatever she said. Like, yeah, we think he is, and this is why you need to be careful. I don't know.
0: I kind of like the timing on it. I mean, we went we went rounds the other yeah. week Baylor. But I like that she's saying this immediately after she just talked to her best friend that almost got killed because of her actions. Cause I think it's going to stick with her on like a lot of the other stuff. Additionally, I just reread the last sentence of that where it says a circle of followers willing to die for him or his daughter. Maybe the circle is still alive. And maybe when Ben Journey tried to uh, kill Alex one of the random or one of the people in the circle dies as a result. And in this case it was him, but maybe it has to kill every other member before Alex can die.
1: That's interesting. I think at some point in here it talks about how the protection is is over with. This is from Dean but Grimm's perspective though. That is from her perspective. How much does so, she actually know? That's right. Uh I don't know. And I think it's important here. Dean Grimm this whole speech is good, but then the very last line of the whole thing is reminiscent of a Dumbledore, yeah one off where yeah. she says the difference between you and your father is in how you choose to use your gifts and your friends so Dean Grimm is telling Alex like, hey, you can be just like your father if you want to, but if you don't want to, you have a choice. You can choose not to. Destiny is not written for you, and that is that I think it's the most poignant thing she said the whole book,
0: yeah. And then she finishes it with another Dumbledore quote where essentially she says, I think there's still things you're not telling me. And she says, I can fill up half the library with things I'm not telling (laughs) you.
1: (laughs) I mean, this conversation could be happening in a bed directly adjacent to Harry and Dumbledore. And then Dean Grimm and Dumbledore stand up and give each other a high five. Yeah, I keep remember
0: (laughs) seeing the meme of uh, it's like Harry Potter summarized in just like six words or whatever. And it's just Dumbledore saying, all right, I haven't told you yet. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, that's basically where the chapter closes. Uh, we have Alex asking Grim, what, what name will I be enrolled under? And Grim lets her choose, essentially. How do you want to be known? So, she chooses Quick because at this point she's pretty set against her father, I think. Uh, but I wanted to ask you guys, if you were Alex, which name would you choose? Would you choose Quick or Thorn?
2: I, I think it would be difficult to for for Alex to, to pick Thorne here and then go home to her mom and be like, hey, mom, by the way, I changed my last name to Thorne, and I know you don't know why. I'm sorry. I can't describe it. I don't think it. she would have
0: to do it there, too, though, right? No, like she I, could just, just be Thorne yeah. at school.
2: Um, but to answer your question, I, I'm i still in the mindset. I don't think Thorne's too bad of a guy yet, but <laughs> we'll see. Um. But I, I I, think Alex, just knowing Alex, she wants to be Quick because she wants to set her own story, you know? Like, she doesn't want to be known as Abraham Thorne's daughter. She wants to be known as Alexander Quick.
0: He tried to kill the president. One of his followers tried to kill an 11-year-old.
2: Supposed followers. And he
0: also used a baby as the center for his criminal organization, but you don't think he's that bad of a guy?
2: Uh we still don't know the the history behind the whole okay. governor general assassination. Okay. I'm not saying I'm not condoning to kill any political figure that you don't agree with <laughs> or whatever, but um I'm just I don't know. I I would I would I hope we find out more about that in the in the coming books. Oh, I think we will. So your votes quick. <laughs> Delbert, would you pick, Quick or Thorne?
0: I think it has to be Quick. I mean just I mean what Oswald from Lee Harvey Oswald like in the '70s, you wouldn't want to have that name in Dallas, you know.
1: Like, yeah, just from a practical sp- perspective, if she takes Thorn, I think her life is two times as hard next school year. Yeah, I yeah. mean,
0: if she tries to go to Green and open an account under Thorn, I mean, she might get weird looks, and those are goblins, right? Well,
2: yeah, they're yeah. goblins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was thinking that, um, this this is a good point here where Enverardi. Uh, diverged from the original series to this series, obviously, Two from books, I get it. But because I think if Harry's in the same situation that Alex is in, he picks Thorne. He probably does. He's very sentimental, and we see that in the series. But Alex is very, obviously, kind of has an ego, which is fine, you know, whatever. So she's going to pick quick because she wants to write her own book, like I said earlier. So I I just think it's... Uh, we see the series finally kind of once again going further away from each other, which is cool.
0: Fun little thought, because I just considered the fact that Sirius Black is actually the mass murderer, and during his 12 years just thinks up a little lie to tell Harry. And Harry just believed it full force and stunned his teacher instead.
1: But Harry's so desperate for family that... Yeah, yeah. What choice does he have? Yeah,
0: that could have turned out bad. I will say it's
1: pretty damning that... Scabbers turned into Peter Pettigrew. That's true, but <laughs> he
0: stunned before he turned into Pettigrew. And, and was true. missing yeah. a finger. Yeah. I mean, yeah. listen, he was ready to believe anyone that said I was friends with your family.
1: It's I mean, it is true. Yeah. So. Uh but that's where the chapter ends with Alex being given a choice and choosing to be known as Alex Quick instead of Alex Thorne. And uh I think in this moment, Alex is Again, like I said, she is set to prove that she is not the same as her father. Yep. And so the chapter ends right there. Indeed. Which means, Delbert, we need to cast somebody new.
0: Yes, we're casting the great, 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 great grandson of Isaac Newton. Wow, nice. At least in my theory. Sure. Mr. Newton. Indeed.
2: Wow.
0: (laughs) Baylor, how about you start us off?
2: Hell yeah. So, this is going to be up there with the Josh Allen cast. Oh, I love it. So, um, I, I just want to specifically mention his description. He's younger than Mr. Hobbs, but he has prematurely graying hair. Now, of all the older gentlemen I know that have prematurely graying hair, they want to embrace that, right? they're not trying to hide behind the fact that their hair is turning gray, right? And so, yeah, they might have a couple gray hairs here and there, but they want every, they want a, a touch of gray.
1: Yeah, these are the people from Justin Min Touch of Gray, right? Yeah. This yes. is what it's made for. Yes.
2: So I went with their spokesperson, and also their spokesperson for Levi Jeans, Brett Favre himself. Okay, wonderful. Okay! <laughs> is like right. 60? Yeah,
0: he's a little old.
2: <laughs> I, I, I will say that I want to, uh, Obviously, when he maybe when he first came into the league or after he won his first Super Bowl, I don't know.
0: Is this is this how it felt when I said Josh Allen's name?
1: Well, well, at least, this person fits the description. A I mean, bit. okay.
2: I also oh, think, man. yeah, and I I have a little bit better reason why why I'm picking him. <laughs> he <Not> is <laughs> only
1: fifty-two, so hey. that's
0: fair.
2: Yeah, Hobbs could be eighty-five. He's still younger than him.
0: that's true. I also went on the uh, perspective that Hobbs was just a geezer. Yeah, yeah. I did too. All right, I'll take second. Brady, you'll finish us off? Sure. Hell yeah. I went with Jeff Goldblum for Mr. Newton. And honestly, I'm pretty sure this picture that I'm using is uh, not that far back. I just think he might be Botoxing a little bit. Oh, sure. So he looks pretty good. He looks kind of young. Oh, yeah. Even though I think he is also somewhat in the close to 60 range.
1: Yeah, well, you know, life finds a way. Nice. Jeff Goldblum, Nice. nice. Yeah.
0: Brady, what do you got?
1: Uh, I am also approaching this from the same perspective of when we say younger than Mr. Hobbs, what that means is at least one year younger than Mr. Hobbs. And I cast, I don't remember who I cast for Mr. Hobbs, but it was uh, the guy who plays the butler in Batman. Michael Caine. Oh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Caine. Mm-hmm. So younger than that is fairly easy. I went with Steve Carell. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I can
0: get behind that.
1: I went with Steve Carell. Specifically because it says in the book that he peered at Alexandra almost suspiciously. Right. And I think Steve Carell can do that. Look. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically the I only think Jeff Goldblum why. can
0: too. But sure. I also just found out that he is sixty nine years old.
1: Oh nice. well, he's definitely injecting then.
0: Yeah. He looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah.
1: Shout out to Jeff Goldblum. Shout out Jeff Goldblum.
0: Goldblum, send us an email. Yeah, let us what are know you doing? if
1: you want to come on the pod.
0: What are you promoting? What's your skin care routine?
1: Uh, that's the casting segment. Delbert, thanks for that.
0: Yeah, you're welcome.
1: <laughs> Baylor, why don't you remind us what your prediction from last week was about Chapter 27.
2: Much will be explained now that Alex's murderer, would-be murderer, has been discovered. This chapter is called Broken Circle because Alex will learn that she will have enemies both from the Governor General's side and former Thorners as well. Finally, the Dean will turn out to be a nice person. (laughs) And uh, I have my fingers crossed on that one.
1: Well, Delbert, what would you think about that one?
0: Pretty good. Um, I mean, we're immediately dispelled to the thought that there's any other Thorn Circle members that would turn on Alex, but... That's also, once again, from the perspective of an outsider. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you said immediately you thought it was a warranted fear.
1: I think it is. Yeah. I think it's a warranted fear, even if it's not explicitly stated, that Alex has enemies everywhere at this point in time. Right. There's got to be people that want her dead because of what her father supposedly did, and people that want her dead uh, because of what her father supposedly didn't do. You know. Right. Just as revenge for her father.
0: So I think that part's fine. I agree. Is Dean Grimm a nice lady? I still say no.
1: She's nicer in this chapter than she That's has true. been. She's more nice. She does. I
0: mean, if it was, you know, how much nicer would she be? It's quite a bit, but she's still kind of a just bad person.
1: I think it's enough. It's not enough to redeem her all the way up to being a nice person, though. No. I think... If she's going to become a nice person, we'll find that out in a later book more than anything. It would be kind of cool if this is the time where Dean Grimm totally shifts her perspective on her relationship with Alex, considering how poorly it has gone so far. Yeah. Maybe takes a different tact, but I wouldn't say she's a nice person yet. Just nicer than she was.
0: I'm kind of leaning underperformer.
2: Wow, interesting. Can I can I throw out a yeah. defense? Yeah. So, when I said nice person, mm-hmm. I wasn't meaning that she would be all roses and fairies and whatever right. other weird stuff I can think of. Um, I was mostly just meaning, like, throughout the entire book, she hasn't really been very reasonable with Alex, I don't think. I think that's safe to say. Um, she I don't think she's also respected Alex. And so, when I said... <clears throat> when I said she would be a nice person, I was meaning that she would be straightforward and be respectful enough to Alex to actually explain what has happened through the entire book. Like, you know, um, why she was being murdered and <laughs> the fact that <laughs> the fact that uh, like like they weren't just leaving her out to dry, like they're actually trying to protect her. That I'm kind like of
0: stuff. I'm like right on the line of pass fail, still mildly leaning underperformer.
1: I think what does it for me in this prediction is, like, the the prediction about Dean Grimm being nice or not, I think doesn't matter that much in the grand scheme of this series. Yeah. Whereas the prediction about Alex potentially having enemies from everywhere and her being caught in the middle matters a great deal more.
0: True, but if you cite the text specifically, it literally says they were loyal, you probably won't have any more enemies from that side.
1: Yeah, that is true. Because
0: we can theorize all we want and say Dean Grimm's wrong, but the text as written says she's totally good, except from the side of the government.
1: I'm afraid you've convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> so.
0: On the bright side, I think there is another grade we have to give that uh, is probably a pretty good grade. What's that for? Uh, Mr. Thiel being a government agent.
1: Oh, true. I we could. I wanted to talk about that and what you've been saying about Dean Grimm for this whole book as well. Yeah. As far as Mr. Thiel being a government agent, spot on. Uh, He's what is there. It?
0: Outstanding, but for America,
1: superior. superior, superior. Yeah. As far as that goes, that's a superior. Yeah, I agree. for sure. Uh, Dean Grimm being a government agent. She's not really.
0: No. She seems um, to kind of detest the government a little bit. A little
1: bit. In this chapter, she does. Yeah. Dean Grimm being a secret Death Eater? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Baylor said no to that pretty early yeah. on, though. Dean Grimm being a Thorn circler.
0: Undecided?
1: Undecided, maybe? Yeah. That would be interesting.
0: Certainly seems like not part of the government, and certainly not a Death Eater.
1: One thing I'll say for certain is if you accuse enough people of being a government agent, it's got to stick with one of them for right,
0: sure. Right, right.
1: Uh, the fact that you only did that with two people and it stuck, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It'd be like going outside the White House pointing at random passerbyers and being like, huh, they're secret service. You're probably right like 20% of the sure. time. Sure,
1: yeah. Uh, So while you snagged an underperformer overall for this one, Calling Mr. Thiel as a government agent the first time you saw him. The very first time. That was... I
0: would have given it a lower grade if you said it later on, but you did it right away. That was impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well done.
1: Thank you. Superior. So overall,
0: you have a good grade for the day.
1: (laughs) Well, with that done, Baylor, why don't you give us your prediction for next week's chapter, which is chapter 28, and it is called Governor General Huckstein.
2: Yeah, so given that it's called Governor General Huckstein, I think he'll be in the chapter. I think that's pretty uh, straightforward. That's a good start. Um, I think a lot of this chapter will be the commencement, and I think knowing what we know about Governor General Huckstein, um, he obviously will do a speech because he's the commencement speaker, um, but in his speech, because of all the drama that's happening uh, regarding the Thorn Circle, he will... Subtly say, but not say at the same time that the governor or the confederation has launched a new war against the Thorn Circle and they will be renewing their attempts to find and, uh, you know, jail all, any, anybody suspected of being a part of it.
0: Is he just going to be staring daggers at Alex the entire time he talks about it?
2: I can only imagine. Yeah. I really
1: hope that's true, because that sounds awesome. That'd be lit. I would love to get into an actual Wizarding War before the seventh book of this series. Sixth book. Well, sure. (laughs) In the second book, that would be awesome. True. It'd be great. Uh, I think that's all I've got. I was, like,
0: digging for a long-term...
2: Yeah. That's the
0: word. But there's only two chapters left.
2: You guys asked me last chapter if I thought uh, Abraham Thorne was going to make an appearance. I still think he will.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. We'll keep that in mind. And I think, Delbert, what we'll do is we might hold long-term predictions until we reach the final episode of this season and just ask a few regarding the next book. Yeah. But we'll just have hours. to write them
0: down so we can remember eighteen months from now yeah. that we had them.
1: Indeed. With that being said, I think we'll end the episode here. I wanted to, again, shamelessly beg for reviews on whatever podcast app you use. They do really help us. In fact, uh, that's more than anything, aside from sharing with ninety-nine of your closest friends, what pushes our podcast out. And so we would greatly appreciate if, you, if you haven't reviewed, if you would do that. Um, And with that being said, I think this episode, more than any, it's we've been reminded that Alex, because of who she is and what her background is, has a choice in who she becomes. And so. To link it back to the main series one last time, I just wanted to read my favorite Dumbledore quote to finish this episode off, uh, it's just where he lets Harry know that. It's our choices that show who we truly are far more than our abilities. And I think that applies directly to Alex as well here in this moment. Agreed. Good night.